0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Ranked, the podcast where movie lovers come together to rank your favorite movies.
1: Which movies will make you reach a cinematic orgasm and which ones will leave a shit stain in the history of cinema?
0: There's only one way to find out. Join us.
1: My name is Caitlin Denny. I'm a filmmaker and archivist.
0: And I'm Julian Vargas, filmmaker. Neither of us are professional film critics, but boy, do we have impeccable cinematic taste.
1: We obsessively watch all the movies by one director, actor, writer, or under a particular theme and rank them, telling you exactly what to think. Today we continue with part two of our three-part first episode covering the filmography of Paul Verhoeven.
0: Flesh and Blood. This 1985 movie was Verhoeven's first American film. It is set in the late Middle Ages and follows the story of a princess played by Jennifer Jason Leigh, who finds herself in a love triangle between the prince she ought to marry and the leader of a group of mercenaries who kidnap her. The film was a pain in the ass for Verhoeven, dealing with the studio's pressure, and it marked the end of his creative relationship with actor Rutger Hauer, who was featured in all Verhoeven films since 1973 Turkish Delight. Caitlin, what are your thoughts about this movie?
1: I think this movie is so... Fun. I love movies about the Middle Ages that show how disgusting and nasty the life was back then, Um, because a lot of times movies in the Middle Ages kind of show how dainty people are and how the luxury that they live in in these castles and stuff. And actually, no, they were just these big stone brick. Castles that had no heating or air or luxuries or anything like that, and everybody was living in misery, even the wealthy people trying to find pots to piss in and shit in, (sighs) and spreading diseases around constantly. Everybody was just dirty, and it was awful. It was, uh, I'm so glad I don't live in those times, but I love seeing the nastiness of the Middle Ages, and he really got it spot on in this movie i think the production quality of this film beautiful i just and this is another ensemble cast film like he did with soldier of orange um but it works this time each character has a really specific unique trait and character um susan tyrell in this film is absolutely astounding i love her Um, And this is one of my favorite roles of hers, I I would say. She plays the pregnant wench girlfriend of Rutger Hauer's character.
0: I I thought she was Jane Curtin from SNL at the beginning. Oh, really? (laughs) They kind of look alike. Um, Yeah. Susan Terrell, she was in Crybaby, too.
1: Yeah, she's the grandmother in Crybaby. um, And she's also... Oh, man, I'm blanking on the name of this boxing movie that she's in. Fat City. Ever heard of that film? It's so good. She's amazing in that, too. She plays a drunk. She always plays really mm-hmm. outlandish, usually drunk characters. Yeah. I don't know much about her in her life, but I'd like even more of her in this movie. But we get a lot of her in, in it, and her character is, is really tragic.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: especially... During there's a she
0: doesn't the end birth up good. scene and oh mm-hmm. her.
1: so the acting in this film is just and thus the direction is I think impeccable especially for a film that Verhoeven did not storyboard he just went in all loosey goosey and mm-hmm. let it happen and I think that's where he had a lot of his difficulties ran into budgeting problems and problems with. Rutger Hauer himself, too, and kind of creative differences um, because it was kind of a spontaneous film. And you can really tell that, too, in the film, which I think makes it better.
0: I think from what I learned, uh, from what I read, uh, part of the conflict was the story itself Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: it wasn't supposed to become such a love story and love triangle. It was more about a story between the confrontation between the two men. But I guess he was getting mm. some pressure from the studio to have, like, the love. But obviously, the way Beethoven goes about it is completely yeah. crazy. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't understand how you, you know, would have more of a confrontation between the two men and not have a love story, because that's what their confrontation was about, was over Jennifer Jason Lee. I will say I feel slightly uncomfortable watching this film in parts where Jennifer Jason Lee's is, is nude, I looked up her age, I believe it was tw- she was 21 years old during the making Damn. of this movie, um, but she looks like she just went through puberty, and she it's full-on nudity. She, it is. Um, so there are, you know, that's a warning. I would say that's a warning to some people. I don't know if, though I love this film, I'm very enthusiastic about it, it's one of those films where I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to Ever. everybody.
0: Um, I am not as hot about this film. Okay. Yeah. Um, you, what,
1: you don't like cut-up dogs?
0: You don't um, like cut-up dogs? <laughs> it's, um, I mean, like all Rehoven films, every single film is t- interesting. Yeah. And there's elements about it that I like as well. I especially enjoy the beginning sequence. Once you get into the beginning, you know you're in a Paul Rehoven movie. Yeah. You see everything. Yeah. You see those people praying. <laughs> And they're getting like their, you know, like the, how do the you wafers. call it? They're yeah. getting the wafers for like in a really chaotic, I'm not Catholic. In a really you're chaotic Catholic. Situation. You should I'm,
1: know the name of that thing.
0: I, I, well, I know it in it's Spanish. It's a wafer, right? I know it in what Spanish. is it in Spanish? They call it the, I don't know, it's fucking Body of Jesus. I don't know. Yeah. That's what I mean. Body of the Christ. Body of Jesus. But body of anyways. Christ, yeah. But it's so over the top how orchest- the orchestration at the beginning because you're having a freaking war. There's yeah. they're like sending. No. There's war happening, yeah. but these people are also trying to pray and they're trying to get the way for and trying going to on. fuck each other and too. they're trying to fuck <laughs> yeah. and then they're trying to party as well. Yeah. because then that character, this is an Tyrell character She comes up and she's just ready to party. I know. And I there's, love her. There's also someone that the other prostitute woman. She's like, I guess she's got, she just she's, got done. Just she's, she's just fucking. got done. So it's like people fucking and yeah. That's why
1: I say, like, the ensemble cast is so So it's a
0: very playful film. Even though I enjoy a lot of the gags in this film and a lot of the things that happen, um, it gets a little bit muddled for me. Mm, It just gets a little bit too over the place. And I did feel very uncomfortable about that rape scene uh, because I think it's also an instance...
1: with the the very first one jennifer
0: jason lee when she gets raped by like gang rape kind of about to get gang raped yes and i find it uncomfortable because it's definitely that kind of instance where they're eroticizing the rape and at the end she kind of ends up accepting it and kind of like like let you know she's enjoying herself she says but that's we know that that's not how things are it's Mm -hmm. it's so I, I, I always, am always going to have an issue whenever a movie shows rape in such a like light, with such lightness, because in a way they kind of yeah. show it like that. I mean, maybe for that time, maybe for that time, it might've looked more shocking and whatever. But mm-hmm. in this particular instance, when you see it now in 2018, it seems very, it seems like they're trying to eroticize it. And I I didn't like that. It made me uncomfortable. It's definitely,
1: Um, yeah, it's definitely an eroticized rape. But I think there's a reasoning behind it. Okay.
0: um, I'm listening. Yeah.
1: Um, Her character ends up, I mean, yeah, it's very disturbing. She gets gang raped by a bunch of people. And then Rucker Hauer kind of interrupts one of the men from raping her. Yeah. For him to himself rape her. And she, in that instant, she realizes and makes a decision in her mind, the only way I'm going to survive is if I go along with this and make them think that they're not hurting me. So I think it's really the mind of her character is survival. Again, another movie about survival. And she, in her mind, is thinking, I have to be nice to him. I have to be favored by him so that I don't just get fucking killed by all these people. They're maniacs. She sees what they're doing, and they're maniacs. And she goes along with it for a while. They go to this castle. They have this new weird house that they all live in together, and she's gone along with it, and she's, you know, maybe learning something about her body along the way because she was a virgin beforehand. We know that. She had never had sex. But also pining for the prince to come for her because she did she was so excited about him and when he comes and there is a confrontation between Rutger Hauer's character and Mm -hmm. the prince fighting over her she wants the prince to win she's desperate for him to come and save her but she doesn't want to do anything that will make her look bad in front of Rutger Hauer character His character, because she know she knows he exactly. He will kill her in an instant if he knows that she doesn't want to be there. So I think it's a really complicated role that she plays, and it's very uncomfortable scene. That's another scene where I just wouldn't recommend it to anybody who's been sexually assaulted or raped before because of that scene. Yeah,
0: um, but
1: I think it is really smart actually, and I'm not anti.
0: I mean, I, I kind of, and not that you put it like that, it kind of definitely. And it's a good sort of I hate to put it like that, but yeah, sort of like a justification for the scene. So I appreciate the film. I still think it's a bit of it's a little bit messy at times. Yeah. Uh, it just
1: It's not as like the fourth man was so oh, it's such precise. A, it's like and flesh and and it's kinda like the opposite. Yeah, flesh and blood almost is more he kind of let loose in this movie just to see what happened. It was an experiment for him. It
0: is. And I think one thing that the movie does prove, though, is Verhoeven's ability to conduct big action scenes mm, and, mm-hmm. and mm. handling like a big, yeah. like armies, you know. So it definitely and shows a lot his, of
1: actors
0: his, his, his you know, his ability as a director. The last thing I want to mention is the gay characters in this film. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, we, we don't
1: totally realize that they're gay until the end.
0: Until the end. <laughs> but it's very rare to see gay characters at all. Especially, especially in the in medieval. The Middle Ages. Yeah. So that was kind of like a nice surprise, and I think they, they seem to be very loyal to each other. Mm-hmm. Although... That
1: was a sad end. Yeah. Moving on to 1987's RoboCop. Though not his first American film, 1987's RoboCop is seen as Verhoeven's first Hollywood foray. One of the most emotionally raw shoot-em-up movies ever made, RoboCop focuses on a transitional period of father and cop Alex J. Murphy's life. RoboCop is set in a now-not-so-futuristic Detroit, where bankruptcy and crime leads to corporate fascism, led by technology company Omni Consumer Products, in cahoots with the Detroit Police Department. Gender nonconformist and badass yet empathetic cop Anne Lewis helps her partner, Officer Murphy, seek revenge on the assholes who did him wrong. Whether he really remembers what happened to him or not. Verhoeven turned into Hollywood royalty after this film premiered. The 2014 remake of this film was... Who knows? A disaster, probably. Nobody ever heard about
0: it afterwards.
1: (laughs) All right, so this is really, I think, one of the most famous films Mm -hmm. that Verhoeven ever made. What do you think?
0: So this is my first time watching RoboCop. I've never seen it before. And boy, I was pleasantly surprised.
1: Oh, yeah? I (laughs) love this movie.
0: I really love this movie. Makes me so happy. Um, I think it's a work of art. I think everything. that's why it's
1: beloved by so many different types of people because it does satisfy and fulfill so many different genres in and one. People can
0: look at it in such many different ways. Yeah. And and the thing about it that I love, too, is like it's so... Even though it was done in 1987, we're still dealing with the same situation. Yeah. And now they were having all those discussions about police brutality and police abuse and everything. Yes. And one of the things that I think is interesting, too, is this is not a movie for Republicans. (laughs) I hate to bring politics to it, but, you know, it's really against privatization. You know, there's a lot of that kind of mindset in our politics today of privatizing things that are normally run by the government. Yeah. So I think it's very interesting how they take on that and they obviously talk and go on the idea of uh, corporate greed. Mm -hmm. And... I just think it's a very timeless piece for the times that we're living right now.
1: Yeah, and that's why I I said in the intro, not so futuristic mm-hmm. uh, Detroit, because you know, in in when this film was made in nineteen eighty seven, yeah, it's supposed to be a future, <laughs> futuristic town, but um, futuristic Detroit. But yeah, everything that's happening there is happening today, and. Who knows? Maybe there are people being turned into RoboCops, <laughs> but we're just not saying it. But, you know, it wouldn't shock me. Um But yeah, the whole situation and climate um, socially in this film is, is very present today. Um, and so it feels, it feels very real and it feels weird to say that about RoboCop because you have such a, Um, uh, cultural understanding of it being this fantastical, almost a fantasy movie, but it's very real.
0: Everyone in the movie is so, like, terrified. Everyone's so terrified of each other. Everybody's shaking with terror in this movie. Um,
1: And what I really like about the RoboCop character um, played by Peter Weller uh um, is that he, though he's not totally conscious, once he makes the transition into RoboCop, He's not completely, doesn't have the same memory, doesn't remember everything, but he ends up understanding that it's not just about his personal disaster and crisis that he's going through, which is a giant one. I mean, he was turned into a robot, basically, robot killing machine, and he he ends up, oh God, he's just such a good guy. He's, (laughs) (laughs) and he ends up really sacrificing a lot for the greater good to like help bring down this oppressive system
0: Mm -hmm. and going back to the artfulness of it i think what i found the most well first of all you know as the production design is a great Mm -hmm. and the same as the cinematography and a lot of it has to do because actually verhoeven was interviewed about this and he says that he was trying to apply his love for comic books into this movie and you can tell the way, the, the way things are framed and everything, it looks very much like a comic book. The way the lighting is,
1: mm-hmm. it's
0: very kind of like dressed, very kind of like high contrast lighting. And the special effects are fucking amazing. The stop motion. Beautiful. The stop motion is so fun to see. And also the newsreels.
1: Yes, I Are love those. so
0: good. So... That's why I think he's creating kind of like an art piece because it's conceptual. This movie is not only telling a story, but it has a concept.
1: Okay, so just so off what you were just saying about the production value and the beauty and the comic book kind of look of this movie, um, the cinematographer was. Jost Vacano who also ended up doing Total Recall, Showgirls, Starship Troopers and Hollow Man wow. so he and he also did Spedders actually um, he did The NeverEnding Story he did Das Boot as well he's got a very uh, he did Soldier of Arms I mean he's been working with Verhoeven for a long time and has done other films that have that same um, kind of over the top Uh, graphic look to them um, that I think was especially um, perfected in RoboCop and Total Recall probably is the best um, of that. Soldier of Orange doesn't seem like the same cinematographer, but uh, it is practicing.
0: And another thing that is also great about the film, and thank you, Rehoban, is that even though it's dealing with really deep and dark subjects, It manages to be really fucking funny at times. Yeah, it is. I can think about a couple of shots that are very raunchy, too, kind of sleazy. Uh, But remember, when when the female cop gets shot, she's kind of looking at the guy's penis. She gets distracted by it, which I thought was like a funny thing because the guy was taking a leak or whatever. He turns around, you know, showing Mm -hmm. his dung. Uh-huh. And then the other part that was also very kind of funny and also kind of like an allusion to comic books and just kind of a lovery, The was kind of trashy, but just fun. Yeah. It's when that woman is getting attacked by those two thieves and it seems like they're going to rape her or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they take her as hostage and he's he's aiming at them and it looks like she like he's going to shoot her right in the vagina. Yeah. But I know. It Rabica, goes right between. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Rabica, so he knows he's got what perfect he's doing. Game. He can, he's got perfect game. But it's game. just so overwhelming that of course he's gonna make it uh, look like that.
1: Little, little camp. Little campiness but thrown in there. Yeah. That's
0: that's part of the charm, and I think that's part of what makes it so great.
1: Because I, I think even with these dark issues of of basically war and politics that are in a lot of his movies, in most of his movies, um, and and in corporate America is a huge thing, especially in his American films, um, he's got to bring the humor into it, or else it's just going to be a dark, unwatchable film. Yeah. And so to make it watchable and fun for people and to bring out and highlight the art of a film like this, you have to have the campiness and the, fun- and the-, and the humor. And I think he's just a master of that, and that's where yeah. I think he really he defies genre because he he just eliminates genre it becomes something unexplainable it becomes a verhoeven film yeah <laughs> it's his own genre one of
0: the things that was very highly criticized when this movie came up was the level of violence
1: yeah it and is violent yeah. it's
0: very violent but it also it's almost so it's so exaggerated and it's so over the top that it almost desensitizes it almost in a way it's almost yeah Like you see the violence happening, but at at least for myself, I was so conscious that it was a movie. It was almost, it's so over the top almost that it almost becomes like this artful thing because it's such an exaggeration.
1: Did you know that the script for Robocop was inspired by Blade Runner? The writers for the script walked by a Blade Runner poster and... Uh, he asked his friend, what's that movie about? And then he came up with an idea for RoboCop wow. just from hearing what Blade Runner was about.
0: Well, he did a good job. He did a
1: good job. And it was also the character of RoboCop was really strong, heavily based off of Judge Dredd, which is a comic book, which was later turned into the Sylvester Stallone movie Judge Dredd, which is also awesome, but not as awesome as RoboCop. Um, so it definitely is drawn from a lot of influences at the time. But Which is cool to see because that's yeah. kind of how I I think about working as an artist and filmmaker too. And, um, oh God, are these ideas too similar to something else? No, you can always make yeah. it your own thing. It's such a unique film. It
0: was weird yeah. seeing Courtwood Smith as the bad guy. Because to me, he's the dad in this, that 70s show. Oh,
1: I know. He's red. Yeah, he's red in that 70s show. And he yeah. was so good at being bad, though. Yeah. He really... Yeah, he. I didn't. I don't like that. I don't like him in this movie. I mean, I like him, but
0: I don't like him. It's a very satisfying film. Arnold Schwarzenegger.
1: Here, here's another thing. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Rutger Hauer were supposed to be RoboCop at certain points, but were not chosen because their bodies were too large to fit into (laughs) the RoboCop outfit. Wow. And um, Peter Weller. skinny guy Skinny guy lost three pounds every day from sweating inside of that robocop outfit he had a personal assistant who would fan him off in between takes
0: well he was great and
1: he was and oh also he was chosen because his lower face is more emotive than schwarzenegger (laughs) or howard's and he does when you look at the picture of robocop's lower face he's got these very particular lips yeah um that you can tell from afar what he's thinking
0: Verhoeven continued his exploration with sci-fi material adapting a short story by Philip K. Dick uh, for his 1990 film Total Recall starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and introducing a young Sharon Stone. It tells the tale of Douglas Quaid, a construction worker in 2084 who keeps on dreaming and obsessing about Mars until he decides he needs to go there himself to see what the fuck is going on after discovering that he is not who he thinks he is. The film initially was rated X, but it was adjusted to an R rating. The film features a three-titted mutant (laughs) hooker that you will never forget. The film was remade in 2012 with Colin Farrell in it, but I don't think anyone cared. I didn't.
1: (laughs) Aww. I have since... I'm over my Colin Farrell... Uh, hatred. I actually really like him now. So I might right. go back and watch watch that Total Recall. Right.
0: Well, what do you um, think? What was your impressions in Total Recall?
1: This is one of the movies that I like grew up watching um, along with RoboCop but I think I, I had seen Total Recall more times, particularly because my brother loves this movie and loves Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I remember all of the special effects in this film um, very, very well and Rewatching them, not disappointed. Just outstanding production design oh, yeah. and, and special effects. That's what really this film always I remembered it for, especially the scene when Schwarzenegger is dressed as, as, as the woman whose face
0: oh, splits up. That so fucking is cool. one
1: of my favorite film scenes ever, I think. Yeah. um it, it, It's so beautifully done. The
0: landscapes. The, the sci-fi landscape, landscapes. yeah, it's incredible.
1: So, just based off of the production value of this film, I'm like, it's one of one of the best. It's one great for Um So, it was cool, like watching this for the you know tenth time or more um, again, and and trying to pay attention to character and story more mm-hmm. than just being wowed by the production design. And I have to say, I was a little. Um, disappointed in Arnold Schwarzenegger's character and I don't know if it was because trying to grapple with it um was it Schwarzenegger himself who just didn't get the complexity of the role or was it Verhoeven kind of thinking like this guy's kind of in you know kind of an idiot. I'm going to put him in this crazy role and see what happens. And I, I appreciate it for that. I did listen to the commentary track for this okay. movie. It's the only one that I listened to the commentary track, which Verhoeven does commentary on every DVD release. So it's I want to very... go back and, and watch all those. That's another, that would be another thing. Um, and Schwarzenegger's on the commentary with him. And so that's interesting wow. um, because most throughout the whole movie, Schwarzenegger is just like, oh yeah, I like this scene. I remember that. That was fun. Like, that's how Schwarzenegger... And, oh. and he's like, yeah, I really thought this was... This was cool because, uh, you know, uh, that TV's on in the background and nobody knew that. that t- you know, things that are just very basic. Oh, and yeah. you can tell that Verhoeven's... Really having fun with him, yeah. <laughs> like talking about these really basic things about the movie, and I and it kind of made me think they have a really cool relationship. They just like hanging out and being friends, and maybe it was they just kind of ha- took a more lighthearted approach to that character. So I'm trying to grapple with 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 Schwarzenegger's character in this movie, Quaid. Right? Yeah. Right. Um, um What do you think?
0: I wasn't bothered by it. I okay. think the movie is really cartoony. Yeah, in itself. and it so, works, yeah, and it kind of works for it. it. It actually really works for it the fact that it's cartoony. Um, it's almost like a comic book, too. And again, he's probably applying his knowledge of comic books and his love for know- for comic books in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I really enjoy this film, it's just so much fun, and it's also like a movie of extremes in, in the sense of the characters, like you know, like. The main character looks the way Arnold looks, and yeah. like all the women it seems like all the women are kind of hookerish or something yeah. like all the characters all the woman characters are like hookers um I I do appreciate the, the Latina character. You don't see it very often. I was
1: going to say. It was like yeah. Sharon
0: Stone, and then the love interest was like a Latina woman. You yeah. don't see it very often, and she was badass. She I, was so cool in that role.
1: I think it's the most racially diverse Verhoeven film.
0: <laughs> it, it was. I mean, again, it also it's, it's, it's kind of like a, almost like a sister movie to RoboCop, because yeah. we have this same theme, like a corporation taken into like government taking over things that are usually, you know, run by the government like yeah. a planet, like a freaking planet. <laughs> in this case you could compare it to a state. And not telling people the truth and putting yes. people in danger for for other for reasons that only benefit a few. Which was yeah. why they were all about to die. And because he's making money of all this machinery that he uses mm-hmm. so people can survive in that planet. But the truth is is that the people, the ancestors in this case, like the aliens, they left the whole system so they could actually survive. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because it deals with like that sort of the good and the evil in humanity. Like we help each other, but we can also be so shitty to each other. Right. So again, it's more like a concept film. Like I don't necessarily expect like big character development in this film and whatnot. So that's why I was... Fine you're with, okay with, with the cartoonish, time, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. because all the characters are cartoonish in it.
1: They are. Uh, they. They are. I. Yeah, they are. You're. You're right. I just. I wanted a little bit more out of maybe.
0: Arnold. You've seen it a more a lot more times than I have, so yeah. maybe you have a different experience. Mm-hmm. It was my first time, so. Okay. Yeah. One of the things that I really like is the first time he's gonna go to like the Recall Incorporated thing to because he wants to go on a trip to Mars, like one yeah. of the virtual trips. I love the secretary. She oh has those yeah, the nails. nails that yeah. change. <laughs> it's such an amazing. Movie that I was
1: reading something about that effect, and it was it was very <clears throat> revolutionary at the time to do something like that. It was a CG effect, actually, and a lot of the effects in this movie are practical, as you know, which is it means like masks and latex and it's, it's hands-on stuff, but. Um, yeah, those nails, changing colors for CG. Wow. Isn't that cool? It, it looks yeah. amazing. It and looks the humor
0: cool. in this movie, oh my God. That brothel was like, and I think yeah. it, I think it's supposed to be like the red light district in Mars. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny, he's make, making something Dutch and putting it <laughs> putting <laughs> yeah. in Mars. gotta bring
1: it over. I would say all of his sci-fi movies, um, which are all American films... They all are very... They're critiques about America. Yeah. They're just really poignant funny. and funny and violent critiques on this path that we're headed down that we cannot stop. We are just on a fucking train ride, freight train, down this system of oppression for everybody. And, and greed. And greed. It's run by greed. And it's run by greed. And, I mean, it's been happening for a very long time, and we have, I guess the powers that be have no interest in stopping that train and I think that's why Verhoeven popped in and popped out America. <laughs> he left
0: I mean he loves talking about it. One yeah. of my favorite scenes too also is the crazy face things that happen every time they're like when they go out in the atmosphere of Mars. Oh
1: those masks their eyes the like popping the out the masks with the eyes popping out. Those are those, those head puppets are
0: it was so incredible
1: cool. I think it's some of the best practical effects in a film ever made um, gremlins is really good too for that but I think this might be my top gremlins it's um,
0: it's, it's it's your top gremlins
1: as far as practical effects goes oh. yeah I'm just talking about movies with great practical effects yeah no,
0: anyway. it, it, yeah it's uh I thought it was a solid film I enjoyed it Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think maybe the things that make it, it sometimes the story also gets a little bit. It becomes a little bit, like what the.
1: So the the there were thirty versions of the script for Total Recall, and it was really the ending that kept getting rewritten over and over and over again. And I think you can you can tell um, it gets a little muddy as we've kind muddy. of seen in some of the other other films.
0: I I wasn't. I didn't have as many problems with the end. I just think like in some instances it gets a little bit convoluted, like a lot of shit going on. Yeah. And and I was kind of like was kind of hard to follow it parts. It's the
1: Benny character. And um, the yeah. drill that whole scene, I'm, it's exciting, but it's also yeah, it's convoluted. But
0: you know, I I, don't love but it. at the end of the day, I didn't care. It didn't it didn't, destroy, so much it, it didn't destroy the movie at all for me like I was yeah. so it was just just a fun fucking movie. The
1: smile on the, your face at the end of this movie is like so big; you just don't care if there is any
0: problem with the movie because no, it just it's had a fun fucking a movie, fucking riot.
1: Okay, so moving on to Verhoeven's nineteen ninety two film Basic Instinct, another American film. A rock star dies in the most beautiful film opening of all time, and it's up to Michael Douglas's Nick Curran to crack the case if he wants any respect after shooting innocent Taurus while super high on coke. Why is Detective Nick still on the job, or better, better yet, why is he not in jail? So he can meet the beautiful Catherine Trammell, of course. Catherine, a successful author of thriller fiction, is the prime suspect in her rock star lover's murder. But muffs before cuffs, baby, Nicky boy gets dangerously entwined in Catherine's life before trying to arrest her. In the process, he damages all of the lives of everybody around him. This film was protested by the LGBT community for its depiction of Catherine, a bisexual woman, as a murderess without sympathy. But is she? Is she a murderess? We don't really get... It, it's a movie with <clears throat> a lot of uh, no, no answers and some questionable endings. I could go anyway. What yeah. did you think of this movie? And had you seen Basic Instinct before?
0: I've never seen it before. Oh my God. And to be honest... When I started watching it at the beginning, I was ready to—I was ready to hate on this movie.
1: No, it's the best movie opening of all time, though.
0: <laughs> I, I love the opening, but I wanted to hate this movie. Uh, just like yeah. a lot of my repulsion, to be honest, is like, oh god, I don't want to see Michael Douglas naked. I know. I'm doing it, no. Like that sounds just <laughs> so gross. But uh, yeah. it just seemed like it just seemed like. I just thought about it. I was just very apprehensive. I was like, this is the typical movie, like, men fearing women and this, mm-hmm. like, s- sexual fantasy of of a guy that looks like Michael Douglas getting to sleep with all these I babes. Know. You know what I Ugh. mean? So, that was... I was really apprehensive about it at the beginning. But, I love this movie. <laughs> what, I, can't have, I, I love, love it. it. I love it. What I do you love- think
1: about the cum stain? Let's start from oh. the beginning. Okay, so... It, Rockstar dies. Nice. Beautiful Which scene. Which is a great scene. And then the cops come and they inspect the bed for cum stains. It's perfect. And he says...
0: So fucking <laughs> trashy and awesome.
1: There's cum stains all over the sheets, says one of the um, officers. I wrote that down. And then they do this... They have a little wand that detects the cum stains. <laughs> and I swear to God, this is early CG of when the wand goes over the the sheets it has little outlines of the cum splatters and CG all over the sheets. It's really cool. It's so good.
0: <laughs> and I mean, when, when they kill the rock star, like, I love him. like She, like, Beautiful. stabs him right in the fucking so, eye. Yeah, it's, it's so, so good. Well done. Um, it's a very tight film. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit to The Ford Men. It's yeah. almost like the Hollywood, bigger, more commercial version of it. Yes. And
1: uh-huh.
0: But it's just it's very tight in cinematography is amazing. Um yeah. I have to say that scene, the famous scene where Sharon Stone flashes everyone, it's probably one of my favorite scenes in movie history. Like, yeah. it's, the, the cinematography is so good. The way the camera moves towards her and then the other characters.
1: It's the best <clears throat> scene in the film, for and, sure. And yeah. the art
0: direction, just her outfit mm. is amazing. And then we get, like, all the blue tile behind her. It's just so beautiful. It's such a good scene.
1: Wayne Knight in that scene. You know Newman from Seinfeld?
0: Uh-huh.
1: He is He's so great. awesome. He's so in good. that scene, he plays <clears throat> the sweaty detective... So outstanding. I I love him. And he got his part in Jurassic Park from this movie, mm-hmm. actually. Steven Spielberg apparently waited till the credits at the end of the movie, <laughs> Basic Instinct, to find his name. Yeah. And like was like, he's that guy in Jurassic Park. Um, that scene, the interrogation scene, I also heard uh, that Verhoeven deliberately... I mean, this is hearsay. Who knows if this nobody is... Nobody knows. You know. Nobody knows this, but Verhoeven deliberately... Um, lied to Sharon Stone about the lighting in that scene. Mm-hmm. She didn't think her pussy was gonna be shown like that. Yeah. We... So and so part of me is kind of like, that's that's kind
0: of if it's true, it's shitty, but it's 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 fiction. We don't know. I know. There's I know. If that's persons...
1: true, I hope that he doesn't do that a lot. I
0: don't. I don't know. I choose not to <laughs> believe it. But it that. is
1: a beautiful scene, and I hope
0: she doesn't feel I'm... exploited from that. I don't know. I don't. I kind of don't think so.
1: Right? She's shown her pussy before, right? I
0: don't, maybe <laughs> I don't know. God. I don't know. I mean, it's a very. <laughs> it's it's not your average pussy. It's it's, it's like there. You see it's, a lot.
1: Yeah. But iconic San Francisco film.
0: It's by an the way, iconic San too, Francisco film, which film. really.
1: Um, it reminds me. Oh yeah, uh, it's it's like his Hitchcock film. It's it his Vertigo kind of.
0: It's right? more of a film noir though.
1: Yes, definitely, but it's got the blonde femme fatale. It's in San Francisco. The shots are very similar to a Hitchcock film. I think stylistically, it's it's a Hitchcock film.
0: It is, but you know, we already talked about her vagina. But this film fucking (laughs) belongs to Sharon Stone. Yeah, Sharon Stone is a fucking goddess in this film. She's so fucking good and fucking sexy. Yeah, she's just the scene where
1: she's putting. Her white dress on to go ah, down to the interrogation oh, so good my god and how dare he sneak a little peek
0: i know how <laughs> dare he and one of the little i hate him and i also love like the <laughs> little details see. around the movie like for example there's a there's a scene where um michael douglas is just at his house kind of lounging or like He's actually he's actually Relaxing. he's actually looking like you know doing research or whatever. Yeah. And they on the background they showed um they show like a like a horror movie.
1: Oh yes, yeah, yeah. In the
0: background. That is very Verhovenish because it just reminds me a little bit of his use of like news footage and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. I wrote but... that down. It's um Hellbound, Hellraiser three on oh. the T V in the background. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was done in
0: purpose. And I also like also like I love the books like the books that she actually wrote like yeah so like production design in our direction like they're so cool so
1: cool I mean I she is so believable as what you think kind of a paperback thriller fiction author is yeah. just this mysterious beautiful person living in a weird mansion and I just very mysterious she really yeah she's excellent in this movie <laughs>
0: but let's get to the controversy of this
1: okay um you mean the like but the the gay psychopath gay stuff. Stuff. since i'm <laughs> the token gay here the only one okay
0: go for i'm it. gonna go for it um well i'm not offended by it i can see why people are upset about it because time and time again you see um you know like uh you see gay people portrayed as villains and portrayed as like evil. But to me, I think it's important to understand where this comes from. And I'm not talking about the portrayal of villains uh, on on the gay community, but more about the femme fatale character. Uh, That's what Sharon Stone is. She's a femme fatale. And she's been kind of like, it's like a modernization of it, making her a bisexual woman. It's like yeah. for the modern era. And for me, the femme fatale, you know, it's been the figure of the femme fatale has always been kind of controversial because a lot of people see it as like, uh, you know, like hate towards women, fear towards women, and all these things. But to me, it's also like a badass fucking I think villain. It's empowerment. Yeah. It's a villain. And like, we see male mm-hmm. villains all the time. Yeah there's so many like evil men that you see in movies all the time so this is kind of like a version it's it's a version of of like we don't have a gang like there's not a female it's not like a female gangster you know that's the stereotyping a guy but like then we have like the femme fatale it's kind of like this yeah poisonous like beautiful
1: um i wouldn't always say that she's evil though a femme fatale i think she can just be she can embody power that isn't isn't always um, imbued in, onto females, especially in in a Hollywood in a Hollywood movie. Um, I think femme fatales can sometimes just be owning themselves and owning their presence and not giving into a man's power and that is sometimes seen as it's evil. sometimes
0: is seen as evil that's yeah true.
1: and it's really just women just being powerful and being independent and so i kind of embrace some, the idea of femme fatale but sometimes. sometimes
0: they're evil and i think and, evil, and, I, and i think when i think that's fine too i also think that maybe the part that people were taking as problematic in this is like it's not only Sharon stone The one that's, like, every single character, like, her the girlfriend. Yeah. It's also, like, villainous and kind of troubled as well.
1: The girlfriend is. Yeah. Yeah. And then the
0: character of Jane Triplehorn, too. It's also in the same situation. She's
1: She's she's taking on a new identity. She's 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 bisexual. (laughs) She's
0: bisexual, too. And she's crazy. So, like, the three people that are gay are seen as crazy, but... To me, it's just like an exaggeration of everything because it's the same with the male yeah. characters in those movies. Everything yeah. is kind of like an exaggeration, like so. But in a way, mm-hmm. it's kind of fascinating how this one character of Sharon Stone just uh, makes everyone crazy, man and woman. Yeah, that's just what she does. And that's does. where
1: I do see why Verhoeven says this is the. Uh, the Fourth Man was the spiritual prequel to Basic yeah. Instinct because she's she's Christine from The Fourth Man. Yeah, it's makes everyone... Very out. similar but character, she's, she's, but more complex in this movie. But
0: she's not only making... She's not only making men crazy, she's also making women crazy. Yes, she, she's,
1: she's going all out there this time. She's a modern Christine. She's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my biggest quip with this movie... There's two things. Um... There is a rape scene yes. that you know Michael Douglas rapes his on and on, of, on and on, Dr. off again Beth girlfriend. Yep, yeah, Dr. Beth Garner, Jean Triplehorn, and she uh, doesn't want it. She's raped. It's very obvious.
0: It's horrible. It's the and then they scene.
1: snuggle afterwards. Exactly. I hate that scene uh, i wish that that scene was just fucking del- like i know there was some sort of plot point that was, they were trying to get forward in that com- cuddle conversation but i i think that's one of the only scenes in a Verhoeven movie where i'm like no i would actually if you were gonna like re-look at this movie take that scene out I, the cuddling
0: <laughs> yeah Oh, it, what it, do you it, think It. i don't like it i don't like I don't that scene <laughs> um And, but in a way, it's also kind of like she's putting up with all this crap because, you know, she has her own plan. She wants to get her.
1: She's surviving.
0: Well, and she wants to get Catherine Trammell. She She wants to get her. So she even survives this horrible traumatic moment of a rape and puts up with it. Because, because Michael Douglas is not her main end. She, her main name is Catherine Tremble.
1: He's just a little blip. Even the rape was a blip. Oh God! I don't know. It's like that's such a traumatic that scene. Him raping. Ugh.
0: It's 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 a, it's I unnecessary, and it's like it's so unnecessary.
1: The other thing is, I think all my problems are really with the Michael Douglas character. <laughs> I hate him. Is yeah. um, mm-hmm. the end of the movie trying to say that a man? is the only one who can tame a wild lesbian.
0: Oh, he's not taming her. We, we saw the is, end.
1: No, she doesn't pick up that knife. She does not pick up the knife.
0: We don't know because it's still Is there. he
1: taming? Yeah, but he's taming her. She almost picked up that knife and then didn't. We don't know. I don't know. But that's my question. It's, like, it's a is question. That, <laughs> I want to see. There should be a...
0: It's basic. a question because actually that's one of my favorite things about this movie. Uh, yeah. It's the end. I love that. Oh. It, I love that it's it's like the cinema. It's really it really holds the tension, and I like that we see that the the, the ice pick still there. Yeah, you know what I mean. We're not sure. We just see her moving. Oh, the ice pick.
1: That's right. Not the and knife. we yeah. and
0: we think she's gonna kill him with that ice pick, but we're not sure, right?
1: So did he tame her? That's my question. We though, like I,
0: th- I don't think so. that's the thing. I she's a mystery. I know we don't know. You
1: know, the movie should have kept going. So.
0: Okay, one of the things that I really did not like about this movie.
1: Okay.
0: It's like, fuck, could you just give us someone more attractive as the male lead? No, it's
1: really the Michael Douglas character. Seriously, like, we have his... to
0: see M- Michael Douglas I naked. Read?
1: I wrote a note here. <clears throat> Michael Douglas's lips are out of control. Ugh, Especially so the lower re- lip. I wrote that down during so the movie. Repulsive. His lower lip is... I think it's the most intense in this movie. It's just sticking up.
0: I'm sorry, Michael Douglas. I think you can not, be a great actor, and, and not, I've seen you doing good, but...
1: I do have to say, the scene where he goes to the club to kind of, like, find Catherine Tremell and she's all hot and bothered with... I love him in the club because he looks like such a dork compared <laughs> to everybody else. It's so I satisfying. Mean, he's
0: he's a good actor, and he's good in it. It's just... Ugh, oh, just was a little bit repulsed with their sexings. Just... And you know, there were... Was... Oh, and he
1: sticks his fingers in her mouth during a make-out scene. Oh, he just... The way, like... He plays out sex scenes and love oh, scenes and terrible. stuff. Terrible. I just think that there's a part of actually Michael Douglas in there. And well, <laughs> he, he must and you just know, be a weird guy. There
0: were so many, like, <laughs> apparently there were other guys that were considered for that part. Oh, really? Like, apparently Wesley Snipes was considered that. I would rather see Wesley wow. Snipes, like, having sex with Charleston. That would have been kind of hot. That would have been, been a been kinda different hot. movie. But that would be That would have been kind be of hot. hot. Yeah yeah I'm sure I think there were other people that were just way more attractive but apparently (laughs) you know I I um what well one of the things that Rehoven talks about that sometimes one of the things where he actually finds like a friendly way to compromise with the studio is with the actor sometimes yeah for example because you know he gets a lot of freedom still to make his films for the most part um Mm -hmm. but um with, uh, for example, with this movie, he didn't himself pick Michael Douglas for the role. It was kind of okay. like the studio telling him, "Like, hey, we need Michael He's Douglas," and guy. he was like, "Okay, whatever, I'll do it." Yeah. So, like, I don't think he had much of a say. And I do think that the reason that Michael Douglas is picked in there is for that same reason I was telling you before. It's good for sales because it allows guys who look like that to live in this fantasy thinking that they can go and get these hot babes and have sex with them. Which is gross, but I think that's why yeah. he works for the studios for this kind of movie. Yeah. One thing about about the film is like his character is very flawed. He he's like almost like he's been accused of killing someone. <sighs> so, he kills
1: two innocent tourists exactly. while high on Coke. How is exactly. he not in jail?
0: He's, 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 he's a shitty person. So <laughs> I think what I like to think is I think he's going to get what he deserves. I think she's going to find a way to get rid of him. I don't think it's going to end so I think we nice. have to
1: watch Basic Instinct too.
0: I, d- <laughs> I don't think we're going to get our answers in that movie. But Maybe. I kind of want to watch it. I want to watch it. Caitlin? I've had dog food.
1: You have?
0: Mmm, long time ago. Doggy Chow. I used to love Doggy Chow.
1: I used to love Doggy Chow, too.
0: Well, that's going to lead us to the 1995 cult classic Showgirls, starring a mostly naked Elizabeth Berkley from Saved by the Bell, playing Nami Malone, an ambitious thrifter who seems to have anger management issues and plans to make it real big in Las Vegas. The film also features Janet Gershon, going lesbian, and Twin Peaks' Kyle MacLachlan, who shows his butt in it. The film was a colossal <laughs> disaster when it, when it came out. Critics more than hated it, and it's been called the worst movie of all time. It destroyed the career of Elizabeth Berkley and made Paul Verhoeven a pariah. The film swept the Razzie Awards, winning eight awards, including worst movie. Verhoeven was gracious enough to accept the award. He now refers to this moment as cathartic. The film became a cult classic when it was released on video and more than made up for the initial theatrical financial disaster. The movie is a favorite among gays, thrill-seekers, and lovers of trashy cinema. Lord bless this movie.
1: Amen. Yes. Showgirls was also with... um, uh, Total Recall and Robocop one of the Verhoeven movies I grew up watching that I didn't know was Verhoeven um, watching it on TV like you did and um, but I, unlike you had to watch the censored version on American television <sighs> and the censored version is quite, if nobody's you gotta see it, if you're a Showgirls fan you. I mean, have you seen it? Okay, do you know what's up with this? They cover all the boobies in the movie. Oh, God, that's crazy. Yeah, they cover every boob in the movie with a black bra. And they drew it in. Um, Not totally sure of the process, but um, I think it's frame by frame because the strap is moving in every frame so Jesus. it's like these wiggly black bras <laughs> on everybody and they painstakingly did this because i guess they were going to make a lot of money playing this in syndication on television yes. and they sure did because I, me and my sister watched this movie all the time in its censored <laughs> version and i thought it was sexy without the titties um but he actually uh geez now i'm forgetting but Paul Verhoeven changed his name for the television-censored version, oh. and it says he's uh, credited as Jan Janssen. Oh, my
0: directed God. Directed by
1: Jan Janssen. He
0: was probably embarrassed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, no, I think he was just like, yeah, I'm just going to change it because it's now a different movie, and well, I need those titties. it's
0: all about his titties, And yeah. do
1: you want to read this Verhoeven quote that we just found about boobs?
0: Of course. He said, When I was in high school in Holland, my art teacher said, the breast of a woman is the most beautiful thing in the world. I never forgot that.
1: He sure didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. And you know what? I kind of agree. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're interesting it's beautiful. things. It's yeah, a beautiful, beautiful thing. One. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he really, he took that and ran with it in this
0: movie. It did. Sure did. But after watching it again, uh, what do you think about it?
1: Um... I've always loved this movie. I But I've always loved it as like a John Waters kind of movie. Like I put it into that category. Just pure camp. Pure camp. Unadulterated camp. Um, I hadn't seen... You know, I, I watched the uncensored version of this movie years ago. So I saw the boobies and the rape scenes and stuff. <laughs> um, um, Elizabeth Berkeley's character, Nomi, in a way does not give a shit about anybody or what anybody else thinks and wants to live her dream but in another way i think she's a product of this of this world and does give a shit about what people think why else would she be stripping and 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 presenting herself in what america thinks high femininity is that's kind of my like struggle with this movie is she's a badass rebel, but she's also playing into these fantasies of men at the same time. What do you think about her character?
0: <laughs> um, I don't know. I didn't, I mean, to me, this is also, it's another one of those Verhoven films that almost kind of, to me, kind of places an art piece. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's like an exploration of excess, and it's an exploration of taking things to the extreme. And I think it's the only way he, someone can, like, get away with this. Like, you have to go all the way. Like, if if this would have been another director, it would have probably be just, like, a forgettable shitty movie. But even the hands of Paul Rehoven, and with all the budget he had, and, like, the cinematography, and the art direction, the production design it really creates this very kind of cruel and entertaining world. Yeah. Uh, so it kind of makes you feel something. You definitely immediately think, uh, think of this place, uh, Las Vegas, I guess, the version of Las Vegas that they show. this just really city and gross place. And it's really good at doing that, at showing you that it might not be completely realistic the way it does it in, you know, the dialogue and everything. Like, I don't know if people talk like that. Probably, probably not. You've had
1: doggy chow.
0: (laughs) Exactly. But the, but the exaggeration is, it's just part of, it's part of it. So I appreciate this movie. I I mean, obviously it's not a perfect movie. It's, it's, it, you know, it has a lot of problems. I mean, actually it has some problems. I wouldn't say a lot of problems to me. It kind of works. It, yeah. it works for me for the, what it is. Yeah. Um, I like the hokey dialogue. And it's like just Love it. an amazing line. It's a stylistic so can, choice. It's a stylistic show yeah. because he goes, that's the thing. He goes all the way. If yes. he was if he was only trying it a little bit in a tepid way, it wouldn't work. But the mm-hmm. fact that he goes all the fucking way, that's mm-hmm. why it works. Yeah. Um, I could
1: see, like, I could see Nomi and and Crystal living in the world of Total Recall Kind of, kind of. future, yeah. almost at that club that the three titted ladies yeah, at. Like, I, 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 I can see that very similar. Uh, it's very exaggerated, <laughs> yeah. and
0: yeah, and, and I, I, I mean, I to love see
1: that movie. I love
0: the dance scenes. Total showgirls. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I did notice, though, and it's just bless her heart, Elizabeth Berkley. Aww. She's not a very good actress. No,
1: don't say that. It, it
0: works for <laughs> this movie somehow, but. Love her. but you can see the contrast whenever she had a scene with jenna gershon for example oh, no. like the weight jenna gershon carries like she's an actress mm-hmm. and she really sells it or the same thing when you see her with like kyle mcaklan like you could Great. definitely see like these people are like seasoned actors yes. and she's not it's yeah. very it's very apparent it's even very,
1: in the doggy chow scene that we just even, rewatched even before we that did scene. that like uh gina gershon She's got this little smirk, and oh, she's, she, so good. she's complex. You're like, there's so much going on in her head about remembering about the doggy chow in her past. She's obsessed with doggy, eating doggy chow, and Elizabeth Berkeley's just like flat, but yeah. it works so well in this campy way where she's she's she delivers lines so matter of fact that are so ridiculous that you're like. What is going on? Your mind gets blown because of it.
0: Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know. Yeah. In terms of acting, yeah. I think in a way, Elizabeth Berkeley, what happens to her is like her acting is so bad that it becomes good. Yes.
1: I, I agree. It's got that B-movie quality um, to it. And I wonder of, what Verhoeven
0: actually of Actually, that. Verhoeven, he feels guilty about it Aww. because he actually directed her to act like that. Like, act so crazy and over the top because he thought that that was going to work for the movie. So he actually did direct her like that.
1: Do you think that she tried a lot of the scenes a little more played down?
0: Probably. I think and she then does. He, and then he was I, like, Actually, no. in one of her interviews, she says that one of her favorite scenes is when she's uh, looking at the character of um, Jennifer Gershon performing for the first time. And yeah. she's quiet. Yeah, It's one of her quiet moments. She says that that was the one moment in the whole film where she felt like she could really act and like what? like be like a real character. She acknowledges that in the rest she was being really cartoonish and kind of crazy, but that was because she was following directions. So yeah. she might actually be... Maybe she's actually she's a really good actress because she's really good she at following direction. That was the direction and, she was given.
1: And Nomi Malone is an iconic it is. character. Like she... It's I love her. It's cult movie status... And it's not just because it's so bad; it's good. I think there's definitely a quality of that, for sure. But I also just think she's really enigmatic and and enthralling too. Her yeah. face, her movement, everything, her blocking and everything. She's just she's great. I, just, I, I mean, I'm, she's I'm down. good. At
0: she followed directions, and but but I, I, again. I don't think she has the same weight of a presence of Jennifer Sean Orr, or or Kyle Macaulay, No. Yeah, Kyle
1: McLaughlin in this movie is a real creepster. And I you don't usually see him playing that type of character. He's usually That's like a good, good He's usually the nice guy or, or you know, semi nice guy with good intentions. And this one he's just a real fuck face.
0: I think this movie it is what it is. You know. And I love it, how it turned out, but I think it was kind of like a case of mismanagement. I think, I don't think anyone was really able to grasp what this movie was about, and they didn't really know. Definitely
1: not in 1995.
0: Like... Like, even Verhoeven, when, even with interviews, he seems confused. Like, he, mm-hmm. he, he ex- admitted that he regrets directing Elizabeth Berkeley that way and yeah. having her do the acting like that. He thought it was going to work. Um, so... Yeah, it's, you know. You
1: know, there's... they're all getting the last laugh right now, though. They're making so much money well, off yeah. this movie at this point. They've, they're, I mean, maybe not tons, but I mean, it's it's a cult classic and I'll keep making them some good money. So <laughs> at least they have that.
0: And this career only helped one person Who? at the moment Jenna Gershon. She's the only one who was unscathed from this thing. Oh. She, after that, then she did uh, Bound. Uh, and i don't the, know
1: i think kyle mclaughlin got out of this unscathed
0: yeah i guess kyle mclaughlin and 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 jennifer Shaw were the ones that because yeah, they were the good. best thing in the movie yeah, too. The best in part, the part of the best movie. thing in <laughs> terms of acting
1: um but yeah poor elizabeth berkeley really suffered from
0: i know from this i role. think it's terrible
1: but you know what she also did say by the bell was she good in that i don't mm-hmm. know i'm don't know. so excited you know she kind of played
0: it's Similar. it's a bit of a sad. It's wouldn't. it's even though it's such a is a great movie that it that we all enjoy and like it could watch so many times.
1: I bet she's come to love it.
0: It it's a sad. I don't think no. She loves it. She <laughs> she accepts it. But I think it's a sad story. You it know?
1: is. Yeah. I just think it's a really it's a really fun film to it watch is. with a group of people too, and just talk about it afterwards i highly recommend this movie to everybody no matter what your creed is <laughs> well i recommend
0: it but we have to talk about again rape? that horrible fucking rape scene yeah after hearing verhoeven talking about it it kind of makes sense because it is it is a way of like like the character who who gets raped is like the only good character I in know. the whole movie so it's he's trying to portray this like city horrible world and the only person that's a good character pays for it because she's not buying into it. She's yeah. a good person. She's innocent. And in that sense, it works. I just think that stylistically, that scene didn't need it to be so violent. I yeah. think they could have still have it, but it didn't have to be so brutal as it is because we already have this world that is you know dirty and you know and in
1: your face i and think in your that face. everything else is so bombastic and in your face that you take something like rape which is a very real traumatic triggering thing and wrong and should never happen and he could have i think he could have made it a little more mysterious and still had the flam buoyancy that the rest of the film has without without just throwing fucking
0: rape in your it's face just, and, and it's just and and <laughs> it's just such a gruesome right? scene yeah and, and it's i i can't still even to this day i i have to close my eyes in that scene because yeah. i don't like watching it it's and, difficult and there's like blood and everything it's just a very it's just a horrible scene um
1: can we I, talk about the costumes in this movie i mean they're amazing That's about strippers in las vegas and
0: oh yeah whoever
1: Customs, this the costume design
0: is amazing the, she th- you know there's that costume where she's wearing kind of like a, like a stocking all over her body yes. like, like like she's wearing like she's a silk stocking a body, all over her body
1: body stocking
0: uh but she has all these like rhinestones like gold rhinestones all over she almost looks like and an on, alien and
1: around her eyes, like
0: a beautiful alien
1: yes on her water what do you call it water yeah. line She's got it. Um, Yeah, so costume design is by Ellen Miroznik. She's great. And I just, wow. What an awesome. Oh, she just did The Greatest Showman and Logan Lucky.
0: And Behind the Candelabra with.
1: Oh, um, we were just talking about that.
0: With Michael Douglas.
1: I want to see more of her outfits in all of these movies that she's done. The Chronicles of Riddick. Wow. Um, oh, she did Hollow Man costumes, too, which we'll be talking about. And Starship Troopers. She's great. I love her. Her name is Ellen Meroznik. Okay. All right, one, so... One
0: part one part of this sleeves that I was definitely kind yeah. of disappointed in it,
1: uh-huh.
0: with the violence after seeing such a brutal, like, rape scene. The rape scene, yeah. I think that when she goes and kills that guy... With her shoe. Yeah. (laughs) I wanted that scene to be a little bit more violent. I
1: know. I wanted violence. I
0: wanted to see the guy.
1: (laughs) If this is a rape and revenge movie, the revenge needs to be be way more bloodier than the rape. I'm sorry. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Last House on the Left style. If you're going to have a brutal rape, make the murder even crazier. That's the rule.
0: uh, Yeah, that's. And we know
1: Verhoeven doesn't like rules, but he has to play by the rules. I
0: really. I really. In my, in my, if I could have given Verhoeven some advice, I would have told him, Hey, man, tone. okay. If you need the rape thing, just tone it down. It doesn't have to be as violent as Like gruesome. a notch, one notch, just tone it down. I would tone it down more notches, two notches, I don't know, Three but tone it down,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> and then. You need to give us the satisfaction of killing that motherfucker with grace. Like, and really one I want blood. Like, yeah. Just like you pop that eye of that rock star in... in I
1: know! It's in really... Basic
0: Instinct, <clears> do it to do that it motherfucker again. because we hate them. And we want to see him go down. They've and can you so kill satisfying. the bodyguards too?
1: Yeah. <laughs> can you? Oh, and P.S., can you? <laughs> we should write him a letter. <laughs> yeah, just kill
0: all those motherfuckers because <clears throat> we hate him.
1: He needs to do some additional filming. Um
0: random Second detail from this yeah. movie yeah
1: yeah tell me I don't there's have any
0: David Bowie there's a David Bowie song that's played in the in the scene where she's partying in the club it's I'm oh. afraid of Americans with Trent Reznor
1: wow is a
0: really weird detail
1: that's funny Paul Verhoeven I think that's I want to see what music. his music collection looks like taste. yeah I want him to do that Desert Island discs on BBC where they take famous people and ask them what's your favorite music I want him to do (laughs) it.
0: And another random fact about this movie, uh, the guy who plays one of the rapist um, bodyguards, Uh he later on plays a gay football player in Queer as Folk. Mm. And he's actually really sexy. Wow,
1: he's got a a big range. (laughs) Oh, yeah. His range is incredible. I guess so.
0: (laughs) That's it. All right,
1: that's it. Show, girls.
0: And that concludes part two, episode one, covering the filmography of Paul Verhoeven.